What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Audio Drama Initiative presents Closing the Distance. Hi, I'm Lou Aronica. I'm the author of the story you're about to hear, Neutral Corners. You know, I'm lucky enough to be sheltering in place with my loved ones. I have my family around me. I have people I care about, people I want to spend time with, people who matter a great deal to me right here in my home. But I know several people who are not in that situation, people who are discovering tensions in their relationships that they didn't know they had or or people who are seeing the end of a relationship happening in front of them and, and no way to get out of it. That was the inspiration behind Neutral Corners, I imagined a scenario where two people had decided to call it quits, but because of the virus, they had no place to go, and they had no choice but to confront the reality of their relationship, and no choice but to deal with the history of their relationship, and to deal with the consequences of what happens when you really face that. We were lucky enough to get the wonderful Sam Suey to perform this piece. And even luckier to get Sam to write and record the song that serves as the theme song for the entire series. I hope you enjoy Neutral Corners, and I look forward to hearing your comments. Mark and I had been calling it quits for nearly a month. In all of my previous relationships, the second I knew it was over, I was out the door. I guess that's the difference between dating someone for three weeks and living with someone for three years. Maybe the whole thing is proportional. Three weeks? Delete him from your phone. Six months? Negotiate over the Afghan you bought together. A year? Stomp out on Monday. Makeup sex on Thursday. Teary confessional on Saturday. Break the news of your split on social media on Sunday. And three years... Well, first there's that period when you only half admit it to yourself. When was the last time I'd done anything for him simply for the joy of doing it? When was the last time he spontaneously thrilled me? How much does any of this matter to me anymore? Then there's the period when you feel obligated to to put everything on the table. And if that happens to coincide with a weekend in Beacon that you'd planned months before, so be it. Uh, Then there are the shared protestations of, of course I still care about us. Of course I I believe we can still make it work. Of course I can change a little, if you're willing to change too. And then there's the realization that all of this talking has led you to one inescapable conclusion. It turns out you can see the future. At least you can see the part of the future that involves sharing your life with another person, and for me, the person I was looking at was not Mark. I think Mark and I arrived at that last stage within minutes of each other. 
it probably had something to do with my asking him to name one dream we still shared. I'm sure it happened for him during the lengthy period of dead air that followed that question. Uh, There was no discussion about who was going to move out. The West Village studio had been Mark's long before we met, so I would be the one doing the packing. I set a date for the next Saturday to see apartments with a realtor. (laughs) But that Thursday, the governor told us that we needed to stay inside unless we were involved in a very small handful of activities. Getting out of a 400-square-foot space and away from your ex did not happen to be one of those activities. Mark's apartment is about the same size as a boxing ring. No, really, I looked it up. And that seemed appropriate, since what we tried to do for the first few days after lockdown was the equivalent of going to neutral corners. We slept as far apart as possible, and when I woke in the morning, I'd settle into the big chair by the window, while Mark, when he got up, would move behind his laptop at the breakfast bar. There would be no crossing the space in the middle until the bell sounded for the next round. And since we had always managed to at least be polite with one another... The bell never sounded. I mean, okay, I had to cross to Mark's side to go to the bathroom and get something to eat, and he once came over to the window when there was a loud crash outside, but beyond that, neutral corners. Then on the fourth day of the lockdown, I heard the tea kettle go off, and the smell of Lapsang Suchong wafted over to my side of the studio. I looked up and caught Mark's eyes as he was turning back from the stove, We'd bought that stash of lapsang at some absurdly expensive tea shop in the Hamptons when we were there for a wedding. That was the weekend Mark helped me to see how much I hated my job and how much I needed to make the career move that had been terrifying me. He'd he'd always been able to get underneath my fears. Once we talked everything through, I, I would start seeking new work on Monday. He broke out the lapsang. We added a little scotch from the minibar, and we we sat on the couch, holding each other. That was only five months before we decided to call it quits. Though it, it took me a second to remember that, since it seemed to be from another lifetime. I went back to my computer and refocused on work. Even though I was working remotely, the demands for my new job were... Pressing the challenges of keeping customers happy greater than ever before. And then maybe two minutes later, Mark came over with a mug of tea for me. We locked eyes again as I took the mug from his hands. Any scotch in it, I said. He smiled softly. Uh, we're out. Do you know if liquor stores are considered essential businesses? <laughs> I laughed. They are unless the governor has lost his mind. But uh, it's just as well. I need to keep my wits about me. I'm in the middle of stemming a client revolt. Mark nodded sympathetically. He looked down in the direction of my mug for a moment and then said, But you love it, right? I took a sip of tea and then put it down on the coffee table. I I do love it. I feel like what I'm doing matters. Mark turned back toward the breakfast bar. I knew it would.
work got crazy after that, and it seemed as though I was putting out fires all day. But by six, the clients had been soothed, and my stomach was growling. I I went on to Postmates and saw that our favorite Korean place was still doing takeout. So I called over to Mark. I'm ordering from Hoye. Do you want anything? (sighs) He practically swooned. Yes, I want everything. We ordered enough for five people. Seriously, they included five sets of chopsticks and sat on the couch together eating as we had so many nights before. Yes, we understood that the breakfast bar was available for seating at times other than breakfast, but dinner on the couch was homier. We'd had dinner on the couch the night about a a month after we got together that Mark told me about his complicated relationship with his father and how he was committed to being a better parent when he had a family. (laughs) Up until that point, I hadn't given a second's thought to having children. But afterward, I would daydream about them from time to time. (laughs) Eventually, we even started imagining the kids we'd have together. The boy's name would be Octavius, and the girl's name would be Edwina. He would go on to found an internationally renowned cosmetics company, and she would wind up pitching for the New York Yankees. When had we stopped telling stories about Octavius and Edwina? Why had we stopped telling stories about Octavius and Edwina? The next morning, Mark set up his laptop on the couch. He said the stool at the breakfast bar was uh, making his back hurt. A couple hours into the workday, he texted me a video from a comic talking about how her husband was making her so crazy during lockdown that she was considering donating her body to science just to get it over with. (laughs) And then five minutes later, he texted, Indian food tonight? That was pretty much the end of the neutral corners thing. The couch was by far the most comfortable place to work, so we both wound up there. We took tea breaks at 11 and 2, and we'd place our takeout orders promptly at 6. And 10 days into the lockdown, we covered up the best we could and went shopping for groceries so I could start making dinner again. While I cooked, Mark would be at the breakfast bar telling me about a conversation he'd had with his aunt, his, his only sane relative, or about something he'd read in the news. And we'd talk about the virus, of course. I mean, who wasn't talking about the virus? We were in the middle of one of these conversations when Mark said, Octavius would turn his entire lab over to medical research, you know. I stared down at the pan I was sautéing with for a second. Uh, Of course he would. And Edwina would find a way to pitch in. Wouldn't she? (laughs) He groaned. Worst pun ever. He paused for a long moment after that. And you know what? Octavius and Edwina are terrible names for our children. (laughs) They'd never forgive us. I closed my eyes and felt the steam from the pan dampen my face. (laughs) Do you think so? What names should we give them, then? 
we didn't decide that night. But we're talking about it. From the middle of the room. Neutral Corners was written by Lou Aronica and performed by Sam Shuey. It was directed by Mitchell Maxwell and produced by Lou Aronica and Mitchell Maxwell. The sound design is by Josh Milliken, and Carl Verwerk was the general manager. The song The In-Between was written by Casey Brevis and Sam Shuey and was performed by Alex Blue, Casey Brevis, and Sam Shuey. You can get it wherever music is sold or streamed. For a complete list of credits, visit us at audiodramainitiative.com. Sweet.